coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, we are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at SuperFlexShow and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, SuperFlex, on the SuperFlex Super Show. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. It's the 410th edition of the episode, fellas. Ryan McDowell, Matt Price, as always, you're with me. It's time to talk about some more rookies, guys. Ryan, before we do that, how's it going? Going well, getting into some rookie drafts, rookie auctions. Things are really picking up. Everything we continue to hear sounds like there will be an NFL season. Uh, I think that it seems like the NFL is just ignoring uh, everything else that is going on in the world. And right now, I love that. Well, except for they're asking all these ticket holders to send them a bunch of money. (laughs) I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Matt. What about you? How's it going down there in beautiful San Diego? It's good, man. 70 degrees. Can't complain. You got it rough there, bro. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into this week, we're going to talk about our podcast consensus rookie tiers, guys. We've done this throughout the offseason, really talking about all of our positions. We thought we'd flip it over and talk about these rookies and and try to tier these guys out, give our listeners a good feel for what we're thinking when we're entering these rookie drafts. Before we do that, though, let's talk a little bit about the DLF Champions League. Ryan, you and I have teamed up a couple times on these leagues. Uh, They're a lot of fun, right? They are a lot of fun, and and they're a challenge. I've always heard, you know, that Public leagues are pretty soft, uh, and maybe there's some like that out there. We we have not found them yet. These are pretty challenging leagues. Not many uh, players slipping through and, and looking like major values, but that, that just adds to the challenge. I would expect nothing less, and the, the $1,000 prize at the end of the three-year period, at the end of each three-year period, is is a huge draw to get some tough competition in there. Yeah, and we have gotten a lot of that good competition. Lots of guys uh, making sneaky picks, guys reaching when it comes to that DLF ADP that you and I and and Matt as well that we all talk about so much. Uh, thinking you're going to get somebody in round ten, well, he goes in round eight, and you know you gotta you gotta stretch it out. But it's been a lot of fun. Um, of course, great service commissioned by the one and only Scott Fish over there. Uh, he's he's taking care of that stuff at Safe Leagues and, and, and running these leagues over for the DLF Champions League, the, this series of leagues. There's a new league happening all the time. It's really four leagues, guys, uh, four divisions, I guess, east, west, north, and south. Uh, and you compete for that $1,000 championship prize at the end of that third year. 
Uh, if you're interested, if you want to check it out, if you want to compete with Matt, Ryan, or myself, we might be in one of these leagues. Go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash Safe Leagues, and you can sign up today. So let's talk about these tiers, guys. We're talking about the, the all these rookie drafts that are happening. I know the three of us, Matt, Ryan, myself, we're all in these rookie drafts, rookie auctions. And, you know, the three of us, we regularly talk about values and, and who we should be looking at at a specific point in the draft. But there's a big difference when, when you start thinking about these tiers and, and where these tier breaks are. So we thought we'd try to try to come up with a consensus rookie tier for for all these rookies and and try to try to really pinpoint where the values are. And it starts, of course, at the top, Matt. I think it's it's pretty safe to say that between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor, those two are probably going to show up in the top tier of all dynasty owners number 1 tier for for these rookies. Beyond that, does it does it stretch any further for you? Yeah, I'm I'm okay, okay I guess it depends on how we're going to define the tiers and it always does on this show, on these types of shows, right? But for me, the first tier is the is the top four running backs and for me that's uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. Um, I, I think that CEH and Taylor are probably just a little bit ahead of the other two. Um, but, you know, I can see a scenario where Mark Ingram gets hurt and Dobbin takes over and he's the most productive running back in the class uh, in 2020. I can see a scenario where, where you know, Daryl Henderson continues to play his, his you know, uh, change of pace role, doesn't really get significant workload, and Akers is the running back one in this class in 2020. So uh, out of these four guys, I think any four of them could be the rookie of the year. Any four of them could lead the, league, lead the rookie uh, class in rushing, uh, both yardage and uh, uh, and touchdown. So from that perspective, for me, there's like a, an absolute clear tier break uh, between them and the next set of guys. Um, but I think most people, including Ryan here, has just those top two guys, which I'm okay with. I just think that sometimes Dobbins and Acres gets a little bit get a little bit short sold uh, in these in these discussions. And and honestly, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, we assume he's going to get most of it. But Damian Williams is still there. Jonathan Taylor, we assume is going to get everything there. But there are a number of other talented backs there as well. Of course, Marlon Mack and and Naheem Hines and stuff, too. So I don't necessarily see those two landing spots as you know, significantly better than Dobbins and Akers, uh, mostly because, you know, all four of these guys have other s- competition in some regard, and that can break down in any which way possible. You know, maybe Damian Williams is actually the lead ball carrier for most of most of the season. I don't know. Maybe uh, Marlon Back does get mixed in, like they're saying. I don't know. So uh, because of that, I got these all four of these guys grouped together. Um, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> a great, great end to that segment. Yeah, I just ran yeah, out of things really to say. Wrap that, wrap that up well, Matt. Thank you, uh, Ryan. As Matt said, you have Clyde, you have Taylor. Those two as your top two guys. Uh, it, it ends there for you. Did you consider bumping any of these other players up into tier one when it comes to these rookies? Not really, because the way I view these tiers and and. I, I basically did the same thing when we were doing our positional tiers earlier in the off season, thinking about who would I really consider? So if I have, if I have the 1.01 pick in a one quarterback league, who would I really consider there? And I would consider certainly Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Jonathan Taylor. And that's the end of the list. So while you can make a case and you can tell a story that Dobbins or Akers are the most productive backs in their rookie year or or end 
2020 with the most value. Sure, that's that's possible. But if I've got that 1.01 pick, it's one of those two top running backs for me right now. And as much as I like Dobbins and there's already uh, been quite a bit of hype for him, I'm not considering him at 1.01, so I, I wouldn't put him in this tier. And, and I don't know. I don't know if Matt would consider all four of those guys if he if he had the 101. Uh, I, Matt, I think you've actually made statements that if you had the 101, you would just trade down to the four. So, so maybe you do uh, value those four backs interchangeably. But really, that's how tiers should be, I think, whether you're talking about rookies or uh, or, or just straight dynasty rankings or, or even redraft rankings. It should be those interchangeable parts. And if I've got 101, I'm taking one of those two players or maybe even trading down and, and taking any juice I can get on top and still get one of the two. Uh, but but I do see a gap, a value gap between those two and everybody else. Yeah, I you know I feel the same way, Ryan. When it comes to Edwards, Hilaire, and Taylor, they're they're interchangeable, and and it depends really what day you talk to me, which one I would want if I'm if I'm on the clock at the one hundred and one. But I I think what it comes down to for me is, and you met, you kind of alluded to it there is is. If you're at the 101 and you're offered to move down to three, what does it take? Is it a significant amount to move down to three? If it's if it's really significant, then I can see having Taylor and Edwards Hilaire in that top tier. But if it's not quite as significant, if it wouldn't take quite as much to move down to three and end up taking Dobbins, that that's when I feel like maybe Dobbins belongs in the tier. So when I did this exercise before we started recording, I had Taylor and Edwards Hilaire as that top tier by themselves. But the more I thought of it, the more I, I, I felt like with J.K. Dobbins, he is the kind of guy that I want to move up for. He's I want to make I, I'll make a bold move for J.K. Dobbins. I'll move from from eight or nine or 10 all the way up to three and pay that huge price, a future first more on top of that to move up to three, because the difference between three and four is so significant. And some may make the case that all that, that only says that Taylor and Edwards Hilaire should be in a top tier. And then JK Dobbins should be in a tier by them by himself. But it feels, it feels like Dobbins, his value is so significant that that I'm willing to to make a like I said before a bold move to go get it. See, see, I agree with pretty much everything you you said, Ryan, and, and you too, Dan. Uh, but when I started doing this from that perspective, like at the 101, who am I going to consider? I'm only taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire there. That's the only one. And when I started going through the exercise that way, you know, there was a lot of single player tiers, and that you know, maybe that is the right way to do it where I have CH in a tier and then I have Taylor and Dobbins in their tier and acres in his own tier. But, uh, you know, for the, I guess for the purpose of discussion, like all four of those guys, I feel like could produce as the running back one in the class. Um, and so that's why I have them similarly valued from that perspective. But if we're breaking it down by who we would take at, at actually each individual draft spot, I just think I would have too many individual tiers and that kind of defeats the purpose. Then we get into ranking so much and not so much tiers. Right. right. And and I think that's why tiers are more valuable than rankings. I mean, I'm in a rookie draft right now. I came up on the clock today at at uh, at 110. And it's easy to look at my rankings and just take the next guy. But when those players are in the same tier, it, it was it, this specific pick was Michael Pittman versus T Higgins. Uh, and I've got T Higgins ranked higher. 
but I still had a little kind of back and forth conversation with myself before I made the pick because those two guys are in the same tier. I did the same thing when I had the 101, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus, uh, versus Jonathan Taylor and, and ultimately took Edwards-Hilaire. I really, I still really just feel like it should, like tears should be those interchangeable pieces and parts where you're moving down for a small amount or you're, you're just basically happy with either player. And, and we're jumping ahead a little bit here, Dan, you mentioned maybe Dobbins is in his own tier. That's what I had. If I've got one Oh three, I'm taking Dobbins. I'm not considering anybody else. Uh, if I, if somebody wants to move, up that's going it's going to be very costly for me to move down from 1.03 and and getting Dobbins to someone else so uh, I know you guys both have Dobbins in that top tier I won't argue with that at all because I really like the player I like the situation really uh, nothing to argue against with Dobbins but I kind of think he's in his own uh, second tier right now and I, I mentioned Ryan that that's that's how I felt initially and because of the reasons i mentioned earlier it felt like i needed to bump him up so so for the for the sake of moving on i guess because you're okay with it we'll we'll bump jk dobbins into this tier which which really makes your second tier mute because ryan as you mentioned you had dobbins all by himself there and i like your point there that if if you have the third pick you're only taking Dobbins. And and for somebody to move into that spot, if you're holding that pick, it's going to take it a significant bump. You're going you're gonna to need a big-time player, something that can make a difference for you either in the short or long term to make that move. And that's where I, I agree with you. That's, where, that's how these tiers should really fall, and that's what should help make these decisions when you're on the clock and, and you're trying to decide whether to move around in the draft. Let's move on to Tier 2, though. This one was pretty simple for me. It, it seems like a bigger tier for me. Once I moved J.K. Dobbins up to Tier 1, it, it put a whole clump of players in Tier 2, and that's C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, DeAndre Swift, and then Cam Akers. Not necessarily in that in that order. They they seem really like really similarly valued players. Matt, I know you mentioned that, that you have Cam Akers in that top tier. Ryan, I'd love to know from you who you feel, if, if we agree that Edwards, Hilaire, Taylor, and Dobbins are the top tier, who among the rest of the players, the, the rest of the rookies that are available, are closely enough ranked for you that you're going to put them, clump them together in a tier? Yeah, it's absolutely the four names you mentioned. The, the two wide receivers, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. The next two running backs, DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers for me. And I think a lot of people are talking about the top tier of seven. So maybe without, um, without digging too deep into those tiers, I think the, the average dynasty owner has, has noticed a clear drop off from the top seven to everyone else. And unfortunately it feels like I have the, the 1.08 in most of my drafts. Uh, but, (laughs) but, um, Hey, you should have won more games. I know, right? I know. It's a tough, <laughs> tough spot. Uh, so so I, I, I don't think you can really argue against Akers, Lamb, Judy, and, and Swift. I guess the only discussion might be Jalen Rager because I know some people even have him above, uh, above Lamb or Judy. I don't. He's in the next tier for me. So I, I think it's pretty easily these four guys in tier two. Matt, you talked about Clyde, 
Taylor, Dobbins, and Akers being in that top tier. I assume you're okay with moving Akers down into that like fifth spot, but in tier two, or excuse me, fourth spot, but in tier two. After that, you you get kind of wide receiver centric in tier two for you. Yeah, for me, like this is where the how the tiers break down for me. If I if I can trade up into the top four, I'm happy with any of those four running backs. And then after that, there's a pretty clear delineate, delineation between those top four and then the next two guys, which are Lamb and Judy for me. Uh, and then as we get into the next set, tier three, uh, you know, the next three guys, Swift, I have actually down below them. He's the only one of those big five running backs uh, that I would would take after Lamb and Judy. So that's why I put him down there. But you know, I if you like Swift just as much as Lamb and Judy, I'm not gonna gonna you know be mad at you for for having him up in that second tier either. Ryan DeAndre Swift has been a conversation piece for you and I. We've talked a lot about him and and where his value lies. I know in Red List too, one of the leagues that that Matt is the commission of. We're, we're in the middle of an auction, and we we talked really had a lengthy discussion about Swift and where he fits in these rankings. It seems like there's a lot of owners out there that that feel like he belongs in that group, that elite group, that top group of running backs. And then there's a few that that feel like, wait a minute, Carryon Johnson is still there. We're not sure that how that coaching staff is going to treat the position. There are reasons for concern, and maybe that's why some people feel like Swift belongs not only maybe in in Tier 2, but possibly even Tier 3. It's just funny, and this happens every single year, that the NFL, uh, we enter the NFL draft with with takes and opinions and, and, and value on these players, and then, of course, the NFL draft changes that, whether it's team situation or draft capital. But then even after that, and this is what we've seen the past two weeks, there's just been positive buzz around J.K. Dobbins, negative buzz around or negative talk around DeAndre Swift. And you see these guys going in two different directions. Even immediately after the NFL draft, the conversations were, who do we take at 1.03, Swift or, or, or Dobbins? And now, even though nothing has changed, there's been no football, there's been uh, really even very little comments from from the teams from the coaching staffs we're talking ourselves out of deandre swift and into jk dobbins and that's that's going to ultimately make swift a a major value in rookie drafts yeah it's pushing him down draft boards it's it's pushing that price tag down in these rookie auctions as well uh again for the sake of moving on we we're gonna we're gonna include deandre swift in tier two so that that tier includes Cam Akers, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and DeAndre Swift. So we've we've moved beyond that top seven now, guys. That we we've really talked about these guys as a group for a long time. But beyond that is where we really see the shakeups, Matt. Uh, once you get beyond those those big receivers, the the top running backs as well, then we start mixing in names, especially between the three of us when we start talking about. Uh, particularly these wide receivers that belong in tier three. Yeah. And this is where I almost had two, two separate, actually three separate tiers. We, we all with one player each like Rager and Jefferson. We've got Swift in the, in the, the in tier two here for me, it was Swift, Rager and Jefferson, but I, I like, I, I, I can see those three being interchangeable, but for me, I do like Rager just a little bit more than Jefferson. So I could see having those two in separate tiers, but this is where right after those big two receivers, right after those big four to five running backs, uh, this is where you get into a couple of those guys that feel 
similar. Uh, Rager is my wide receiver three. It's not really that close. That's why I, w- I would consider having him in his own tier. And then I feel the same way about Jefferson. He's the four for me, and it's not really that really that close for, amongst those wide receivers. So, uh, so I have those three together. Uh, I guess those two together. If we're gonna if we're gonna uh, put it out that way, but you guys uh, have have a couple other guys in there. Yeah, we certainly do. And and Ryan, I want to bring it, bring your thoughts into this, the Jalen Rager conversation, because once you get beyond that top seven, you spoke pretty clearly that once again, if you're on the clock at eight, it's going to take a significant offer for you to move off of eight. You're not moving down one pick for, for a couple pick bump in round two. You, you're going to just pick Jalen Rager and be happy with the selection. You had him in a tier by himself once again. I did. And, and again, I've, I've already been in that spot uh, at least once. It feels like several times where I've got the 1.08, the top seven go, uh, go off as expected in, in some order, but it's the top seven players. And, and at eight, I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm, I'm not considering Keyshawn Vaughn. I know some people are going running back there. I certainly like Justin Jefferson and T Higgins and Henry Ruggs and, and these other players, but I'm not considering those guys over Jalen Rager. So eight is actually a pretty easy pick for me. I'm taking Jalen Rager every single time and I've got him in a tier of his own. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. If I'm on the clock at eight and I, I, I need to make my selection, it's Rager. But if the guy at nine, 10 or 11 is firing me offers and, and aggressively trying to move up. I'm I'm okay moving down. I, I had guys like Henry Ruggs and Jeff, Justin Jefferson, even T. Higgins, and, and I slid Michael Pittman into the same tier as well. I'd, I'd be willing to move down as far as the beginning of the second round if I'm sitting at eight, if the offer is strong enough. Now, obviously... Like Matt said earlier, if you're gonna if you're gonna say, man, it'd take a lot to move down, our tiers would just be one player at a time. But since we're trying to lump these guys in together, that's when I when I was considering this group of five receivers: Rager, Ruggs, Jefferson, Higgins, and Pittman. I thought to myself, if I'm a contender and I can get a piece that helps me win today, I'm moving down those five picks. If I'm in the middle of a rebuild and I can get a piece that helps me down the road, either another pick in this draft, maybe a maybe another second rounder next year, I'm probably considering that offer. If I'm at seven, I'm not making that kind of move. It feels like if I can get Cam Akers or Jerry Judy, I'm, I'm not doing those kinds of things. But at eight, Rager's close enough to that other group that I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna consider it at least consider it strongly before rejecting. It feels like from your comments, Matt, you'd be okay with Rager being by himself. I, I really feel the same way. I, I'd be all right with it. Maybe we should, if we're trying to come up with a consensus, there's enough of a, a differentiating factor here that we feel like Rager belong, may belong in a tier by himself in tier three. Yeah, I completely agree with with all of that. At eight, he's the only one I'm taking. So, like like, like you said, like if someone at nine and Jefferson's there at nine and and wants to move up, then it's not going to take a, a ton, you know, to come up to come up and let me switch those players. But it's enough where I'm not just going to do it, you know, for like a, a third round pick or something like that. So, right. I, I like having Rager there as a, a zone tier. All right, so kind of unique for us, fellas. We've done a lot of these tier based episodes. And it's rare that we have a guy all by himself, but we're going to do it in the 2020 
rookie tears uh episode of the of the podcast Jalen Rager is in tier three by himself so let's move on to tier four Ryan once you get beyond Rager you let's say you have the 109 you you made that you 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 made that third place game but you lost you missed out on Rager he got sniped right in front of you who are you considering next and and how likely are you to move around in the draft at that point yeah, this is certainly the point where I would be looking to move to move down and pick up some extra uh, draft capital or, or pick up a, a veteran that might help me. The problem is I think everybody pretty much shares that strategy because uh, here at, at 1.09, if we're looking at uh, thinking about drafts, it, it's just a huge wide receiver run. And Dan, I know Henry Ruggs is, is your guy. Matt talked about Justin Jefferson. I, I have Jefferson at the top of this group, but it's, it's Jefferson and Henry Ruggs and T Higgins and Michael Pittman and Denzel Mims, a big tier of of five wide receivers for me. How about you, Matt? It it seems like a good group. Jefferson, Ruggs, Higgins, Pittman, Mims. You want to add to that? Subtract from it? Uh, I'm I'm okay with those guys there. For me, though, it's it's a it's a clear set of three here with Mems, Pittman, and Higgins. Those three are, are relatively interchangeable for me. Mems is my favorite. Um, Rugs, I'm I, I've been you know kind of off the entire time. He's somebody that unless he falls to like the middle of the second round, probably that I'm probably not going to have much of. It. Maybe the early maybe the early second, I guess, in a one quarterback league. Um, but I, I would absolutely rather have Mems, Pittman, and Higgins over over that next set of guys for me. But I understand it. I understand it. he's got a first round cap, great uh, first round draft capital. He's got all the opportunity in the world, presumably. Just has a little bit more of a question mark for me there. Yeah, uh, just to be clear, you mentioned. Mims, Pittman, and Higgins. You're also including Jefferson. We we overlooked him in tier three. So you throw him into tier four as well after Jalen Rager. I c- concur with you guys. Really, it's Ruggs, Jefferson, Higgins, Pittman. Beyond that, I I, I had a little bit of uh, a space between Michael Pittman and Denzel Mims. I'm willing to bump him up, however. Uh, in this exercise, it's close enough that if you want to create a tier of five here in tier four, I don't mind Denzel Mims being part of, of the group of Jefferson, Ruggs, Higgins, Pittman, and Mims. So let's quickly recap. Tier one, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, and J.K. Dobbins. After that, four players made up tier two, Cam Akers, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and DeAndre Swift. Only one player made Tier 3. That's Jalen Rager at 8 overall. Then we included five wide receivers in Tier 4. They were Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, and Denzel Mims. Before we move on to Tier 5, guys, let's talk a little bit about our friends over at DynastyOwner.com. Do you think you're smarter than the NFL GMs out there? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, now's your chance to prove it. If you're listening to this program, you're probably already a Dynasty owner. But maybe you haven't heard of DynastyOwner.com. Dynasty Owner is not your typical fantasy sports game. Dynasty Owner is for the smart, elite fantasy football player. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. They don't use make-believe or on-demand-based contracts or salaries like the other guys. Instead, they use the actual NFL data, those salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager 
to coach. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters. Free agency matters. Every contract matters. Dynasty Owner is, they just finished up their beta season in 2019, and they're now working on that mobile app for iOS and Android, as we've talked about in past weeks. They're going to be ready for drafts any day now. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. Join the big leagues of fantasy football and sign up right now at www.dynastyowner.com. Guys, we need to talk about Tier 5 because we've pretty much gone through Round 1 of your regular single quarterback uh, rookie draft. And beyond that, it gets interesting. There's still a lot of interesting players, guys we want on our teams. We're all in these drafts right now, and it feels like picking in the mid-second is kind of on par with picking in the mid to late first on a lot of other years. So let's get into these guys a little bit, Matt. Once we get beyond that group of wide receivers, Jefferson, Ruggs, Higgins, Pittman, and Mims, there's still a lot of interesting players left left for us in tier five. Who are we considering here? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the next group of wide receivers. I think you know I've got uh, I, Brandon Ayuk included in that, uh, Lavisca Chenault and uh, Brian Edwards uh, in that area, and then one running back. This one might be a little bit rich. I might have I might have, I might be. Uh, uh, have him a little bit too high, Bear. But I'm really intrigued with Antonio Gibson at this spot too. Um, he should maybe be down there in tier six. I'm not sure. I'm not, I haven't looked yet where you guys have him yet. But he might be one that could be could drop down to tier six. But I think this next set of wide receivers that we haven't gotten to yet uh, from tier four, Ayuk, Chanel, and Edwards are, are again like fairly interchangeable. I think I feel similarly about all four, all three of those guys. Ryan, how about you? You had Jefferson, Ruggs, Higgins, Pittman, and Mims all in one tier. Beyond that, Ayuk, Chenault, who else are you going to involve in Tier 5? My next tier is, is similar to Matt. Uh, certainly, Ayuk, Chenault, Edwards, all included in that. And then I went with a, uh, a couple of running backs that I've got some concerns with, but I think their situation is, is certainly nice. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and A.J. Dillon rounding out that tier. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I had Ayuk and Chenault and, and stretched it a little further. And, you know, I'm okay adding Brian Edwards and Keyshawn Vaughn as well. It feels to me, though, guys, if, if I'm willing to get to Vaughn, especially if I'm willing to go anywhere beyond Vaughn because that landing spot is so premier and, and one of the best that we saw in the draft class, if, if I'm going to add Darrington Evans or Gibson or A.J. Dillon, I'm going to add guys like Lynn Bowden and Zach Moss as well. Maybe that means there's a tear break there. You guys can chime in to to add your thoughts on it. But the three of us all had Ayuk, all had Chenault, all had Brian Edwards. Then it gets a little bit murky. Do we want to stretch beyond that? I'm, I'm all right adding Vaughn, but if we go beyond that, it feels like we need to either make another tear break or add a whole group of players. I think most of those running backs right now are being grouped together as likely NFL backups, at least in year one. Some of the names you mentioned, uh, Darrington Evans, uh, Zach Moss, A.J. Dillon, uh, and then Gibson and Bowden are are kind of, I don't want to say unicorns because there's two of them, but but they're tough to rank with the position switch, with the I guess the uncertainty the unknown of how they'll be used I don't I don't just view them as backup running backs I think they'll get more opportunity than 
than that potentially. So, so those two guys are a challenge. I'm fine with kind of grouping all of those guys in their own tier. I don't think they belong with Ayuk, Chenault, and Edwards. Vaughn is is the different one of that group because I think he has a clearer path to a starting job. And no matter what I thought about the player entering the draft, that that draft uh, that landing spot has to has to be taken into account. So I could see this tier being Ayuk, Chenault, Edwards, and Vaughn. Yeah, I like that. I, I I like that fine. I I'm not like I'm on record. I don't like Vaughn very much, but the landing spot is is certainly um, attractive. I just my one worry with him is that it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a one and done kind of kind of situation for Vaughn. He's gonna be pretty good in, in in year one, and then after that, I think it's gonna start going downhill. But you make a good case. I think he does belong with these three receivers in this tier. There are so many dynasty owners right now listening to this podcast, saying to themselves. Wait a minute. Others are telling me draft Keyshawn Vaughn in 106. In Don't do overall, it. Overall, sixth do overall, it. ninth overall. It. We're not one of those podcasts. We're we're all right passing on Vaughn. There's better options for sure. Ryan, I can't remember who you said sent out the tweet, but it, it went along the lines of "Don't pass up the the first round wide receiver for the third round running back that got the ideal landing spot." That that's the situation that that you were reading about that day. Yeah, that, that was Matthew Friedman from the Action Network, and that was basically a comparison of Brandon Ayuk, who maybe maybe surprisingly got that first round draft capital. He's I believe he's twenty one years old. Keyshawn Vaughn, third round, a little surprising for him as well, maybe earlier than than expected. And uh, of course, the landing spot is great. Keyshawn Vaughn's also uh, 23 years old, I believe. So that that was his comment. Don't take the 23-year-old round three running back over the 21-year-old round one wide receiver. Yeah, good advice for sure. We're all on board with that. Uh, with that said, however, they both land in tier five, though. Let's move on to tier six, guys, because it continues to be interesting. I mentioned guys like Evans, Gibson, A.J. Dillon, Lynn Bowden, Zach Moss. That's tier six for me. It's this group of running backs, I guess running backs slash slot receivers in the cases of, of Gibson and Bowden who are going to move around the formation a little bit. Uh, beyond these running backs, Ryan, who who else do you do you really fit in here? This feels like a huge tier for me be, because uh, it, it really comes it's it starts coming down to team need, and typically we would we would advise not to really factor in team need when you're making rookie draft picks. But I think once you get into the the middle of the second, the third round, you can start using that as a tiebreaker if you if you're weak at quarterback. You're looking at Joe Burrow or Tua here. Maybe you're grabbing one of those backup running backs. Uh, and then I think there are wide receivers to look at in this range as well. Uh, KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool. Those are a couple that that I think come next and, and that would be worthy. So this really feels like m- maybe a 10-player a tier. Yeah, I definitely agree. I I would throw the wide receivers in there. I would throw it would be Devin Duvernay and Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson mostly for the draft capital and the, you know the eventual spot. Um, you know I, I don't think that they're going to be 
bring him necessarily bringing back Cooper Cup. You know, we haven't we don't know if Josh Reynolds can necessarily handle a full time role. So it's probably not going to happen in year one for him. But he's more of a kind of a future asset here. But he's got that draft capital behind him. And then Duvernay goes right into a perfect situation, I think, in the slot in Baltimore. So I would throw him in here with these backup running backs. Um, and then, you know, I, I think I would put the this is where I would start thinking about the quarterbacks, too, even in a one quarterback league. You know, this is the point where we start having question marks about all of these players. And once you get to that part, part where you have like serious question marks, I think that's when you start thinking, you know, if I need a quarterback, then I'm going to be OK taking one of those guys in the middle to late second round. Yeah, I like that as well. Adding the quarterbacks is is a nice touch for sure. I think there's probably a lot of dynasty owners. We were talking about it earlier with Vaughn that are saying, wait, wait a second. I, I thought Joe Burrow was a first round pick according to DLF ADP. Well, ADP doesn't make it make it right, guys. Uh, Burrow belongs down here in tier six. I, I like this this spot and what you said there, Matt. If you've been relying on these veterans, Drew Brees has been your guy for the last 10 years, Roethlisberger's been your backup, and you're waiting for that next group, that next guy to to take over, grabbing Joe Burrow and and grabbing Tua, those types of guys, they they belong right around here. I, I like what you guys said, Evans, Gibson, Dylan, Bowden, Moss, the group of running backs, throwing in the quarterbacks, Chase Claypool, even adding Van Jefferson, Duvernay, uh, maybe it stretches beyond that. Antonio Gandy Golden, who knows? Uh, there, there's we get into murky waters. There's a lot of similarly valued guys here, Ryan, and and really beyond moving beyond tier six, the, the, they're all very similar. They are, and and it, it it's kind of you, you start factoring in draft capital. Matt mentioned that Van Jefferson gets second round draft capital, as does. KJ Hamler. So I think there's probably room for those two players along with Claypool, who was another second round pick, but then looking at Gandy golden, Tyler Johnson, that I, I would not go that far. I think those guys belong in the next tier, uh, along with that next group of running backs, uh, like, uh, like LaMichael P Ryan, DJ Dallas, guys like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. So we throw in Van Jefferson, we throw in KJ Hamler to go along with Darrington Evans, Antonio Gibson, AJ Dillon, Lynn Bowden, Zach Moss, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, and Chase Claypool. After that, Ryan, what what else are we going to talk about? They're they're still good players for sure. Yeah, I, I think we probably should make a case for Joshua Kelly in this tier as well. Uh, I think he belongs with uh, with that running back group, Zach Moss and, and guys like that. Honestly, I'd rather have him than Moss. Uh, I'd rather have him than Darrington Evans. He feels like of these second-tier running backs, or maybe, maybe we're on to third-tier running backs at this point, he feels like the one who has the most defined role. Matt? What are your thoughts? We we already talked about Evans and Gibson and the rest of those running backs. You've been a Joshua Kelly guy a little bit. You you you've supported that that role that it looks like he may have there. Does he belong in this group? 
I, I think it's fine to put him there. I have him a tier tier below. I, I I still have maybe maybe unfounded love, I guess, for for Justin Jackson there. I just don't really know if we can really say how it's going to break down between those two with you know b- behind Austin Eckler, of course. So f- for that reason, it's it's more of like a, a three headed backfield for me, I guess. And and I think that there's a chance that he could be number three on that. So that's why I have him down there. But I certainly wouldn't argue with having him up there uh, with these other guys. I've I've had him down a tier as well, but uh, Ryan makes a compelling point. If you if you if we're gonna add these guys like Zach Moss, it feels like Kelly isn't that far behind. He's he's a nice secondary prize for me, uh, very close for sure. At, actually, just in the last couple of days, I I picked Darrington Evans over Joshua Kelly. Uh, we'll see. Time will tell how that turns out. Uh, tier seven guys, there's, there's still some guys to talk about. We haven't even added a tight end. When do we start talking about them? Is there anybody else, Matt, that you want to make sure to shout out before we move on? Uh, I don't think we've mentioned Quintez Cephas yet. I think he's in a, an excellent spot, you know, to be the number three in Detroit this year. And once Marvin Jones moves on, he, he seems like an easy two there. Uh, you know, another contested catch kind of guy fits right in with with those top two receivers. Um, so he's somebody I would want to have up in this area. And then, uh, you know, I think this is where you could, you know, once you start to get into that early third round, I think is about where we're at right now. I think you can start, start talking about Justin Herbert, too, at some point. And I don't think we've mentioned Anthony McFarlane yet. If we did, maybe, you know, maybe he should necessarily be up with those other, uh, you know, quote unquote, backup running backs with Joshua Kelly and, and those guys in the tier above. I'm not I'm not sure for me he's a little bit lower than those guys. Um, and then we can get into the, you know, the, the very next year, like, uh, Ryan mentioned Tyler Johnson, he's down there with, with, with DJ Dallas for me, you know, Benjamin, Michael P Ryan. And that's where I started getting into those tight ends. Once we get just past, uh, I guess I jumped ahead a little bit. We're in tier seven. Those guys are in tier eight for me, but, uh, you know, they, I think they're on, on that borderline right there. Yeah, they're they're in the next tier. After we talk about those guys, we just got through that group of running backs and the quarterbacks and Van Jefferson, KJ Hamler, Joshua Kelly. The, then then we start talking about guys like DJ Dallas Ryan and and guys like uh, guys like McFarland and 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 Adam Troutman and and Devin Asiasi and and Quintez Cephas and Cole Komet and we really dig into these tight ends. There's these extra quarterbacks, these guys in single quarterback leagues that that are kind of forgotten about. Maybe maybe there's a Jordan Love fan out there that belong that thinks he belongs. Uh, it, it seems like another, as you said before, huge tier, maybe even beyond 10 or 12 players. It might get bigger than that. Yeah, this this seventh tier for us, we're uh, we're about middle of round three range and we're still looking at, at quality prospects, uh, potential starting quarterbacks in Justin Herbert, potential top backups, backup running backs on their own team like. Uh, like Anthony McFarland, DJ Dallas, like LaMichael P. Ryan. So all of those, uh, all those guys have some value. If it's a great year to stack late seconds or, or third round picks to take some chances on the, on these guys. But I think round seven has a little bit of everything. We've, we've got the quarterback in Herbert. We definitely see the, the first of the tight ends. I think it's uh, Trout, Ben Asiasi, and Komet as the guys to target in this range. And then like Matt said, you've got the next group of running backs, the next group of wide receivers. But I agree. It's, it's probably another 10 player tier. 
Yeah, and it's difficult to really place all these players in specific tiers because at this point in in an in a rookie draft, we all should be identifying the guys that we really want, making the move to get in a position to get them, and just simply taking them, trying to get the guy you like as the third-round steal or the bargain play, get him on your roster, whatever it really takes to get him, uh, because there could be another guy that, that is has identified a guy like Quintus Cephas or John Hightower, in my case, a guy I really like, one of them tight ends. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. If there's somebody else in the league that wants that same guy, Matt, uh, he's going to move up for him. You should be doing everything you can to get that guy on your roster. Yeah, this is the area of the draft where you don't want to wait if you, and hope your guy falls. I mean, maybe if you're okay with several guys you want, you can just wait and take the lowest guy. But this is the point where you start trading. Maybe you've acquired a couple of extra third-round picks, an extra fourth or fifth-round pick. This is where you start stacking those picks to move up to get the ones that you want. Don't wait around in this area of the draft. You know, in these in these upper tiers at the top of the draft, you know, uh, I, I think it's maybe uh, you, you, know, you can wait around and still get, you know, one of these elite prospects. But at this point in the draft, these are all good players. These are all players that are on everyone's radar. And, you know, any of them could go at any time, anywhere from the late second to the end of the third round. So this is where you want to move up to get your guys. So since we have a couple minutes, Matt, tell me, who's that guy in the third round? Who's the guy you're moving up for? Because there's there's a lot of them that are worthy of talking about. It's it's Quentin Cephas for me pretty easily. Cephas is at, at wide receiver. I, I see sometimes in the fourth round. I I don't let him slip past the mid third for the most part. Uh, and then DJ Dallas is another one of those guys. At, at tight end, if I'm gonna take a stab here, it's gonna be. Uh, I think uh, you guys mentioned Komet. He's in the next one for me. I would go with Troutman, Albert O, or CSE. Um, but I think you can't. If if you don't take a tight end in this draft, you're gonna be okay. I'll just say that. But if for some reason you want to have one of they have one of these guys sit on the back of your roster this late third early fourth round pick I still think you're going to be able to get one of these guys that you know maybe in a year or two you know maybe maybe Alberto scores 10 touchdowns this year and makes makes Fant a, a PPR uh, asset and not necessarily going to score a lot of touchdowns I don't know but outside of that I don't really see any of these t- any of these guys making a, a noise in year one Ryan is there somebody for you in round three that that you think is is being underdrafted um I don't know. Looking at this group of 10, I, I came up with 10 players for this seventh tier. Uh, I think we've said all the names already, but it was McFarland, P. Ryan, DuVernay, Gandy Golden, Justin Herbert, Troutman, Asiasi, Komet, Tyler Johnson, and Quintus Cephas. Uh, none of those players are uh, players I would be avoiding, certainly. I'd be happy with any of them in the third round. I'd probably go back to Joshua Kelly because he's a guy that looks to be falling to that early third round range. We had him at the bottom of the previous tier at at 28 overall. So that, that would probably be my target. Uh, Try to, and and again, that, that comes down to tiers. So we so typically group players as first or second or third rounders, but it's, it's the tiers that are really more important. The tier might be seven deep or eight deep, or it, it might stretch from the second to the third round. That's where you have to know, I need to move up, or maybe I can move back and still get a player I like in this tier. Yeah, I like that a lot. Matt, you mentioned Quintus Cephas. I'm a big fan as well. I like yours as well, Ryan. I'm going to stretch mine a little further into tier 
I think we had him in six. That was Van Jefferson, a guy that I've been a fan of for for months now. Uh, really strong route runner, landing in a really good spot in an offense where he should be be able to move around and do the things that we want him to do as a dynasty owner. He's regularly falling into the third round. Feels like a value right there. So we've we've identified each player in each tier. We've found some players that we like at the end of drafts here, guys. We're going to talk a lot more about these rookies and, and really, really everything Dynasty related in the coming weeks, coming months. As you said, leading off, Ryan, it looks like there's going to be a football season. That's good news. We should all be preparing for it. And we're going to help you do that, of course, right here on the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this edition of the pod. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs>